you may be seated in the house of God. But you're glad to be in the house of God this morning. Praise God. We know God is good. Amen. And if you don't believe you're, you're living in the last days, just read the newspaper or just turn on the news. But today is an exciting day. We're doing baptisms. Let's give it up again for those getting baptized. We're so excited. We believe that even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of hardships, it's still good to do the work of the gospel. Amen. If, if not for any other time, this time we do the work of the gospel. That's why it just kind of makes me Holy Ghost laugh. Excuse me. Not Corona, just waking up this morning, okay? By the way. Uh, we're, we're good here this morning. But, uh, but, but listen, it just blows my mind that we are in a time when all of our parents, all of the ones I used to look up to, talked about, and now the churches want to shut down and listen to Beetlejuice, I mean our mayor, and be told when to have church and when not to have church. She does not get to tell us when to have church. You all understand that? Now, you can make a decision about when you want to have church. You can come and go as you please. As the old timers used to say, church starts when you get here and it leaves when you end, okay? Or it ends when you leave. So it starts when you get here. Whenever you're here, that's church for you. And then whenever you leave, church is over for you. Are you listening? But that doesn't mean it starts and ends for us based on what she thinks or what somebody else thinks. Are you listening? Oh, man, I just think about like all these previous generations that talked about these times and what they didn't tell us, uh, and even the Word, of course, didn't tell us, was to run and hide. It's not like when they were preaching, they're like, things are going to get bad, so you all run and hide and stop having church. Things are going to get bad, so stop baptizing people. Things are going to get bad, so stop calling out to Jesus. That is not what they taught us. That is not what the Scripture said. The Scripture said, in the midst of these things, the gospel will go forth to around the world. Amen? So look at your neighbor and say, run with perseverance your race. Look to your other neighbor and say, your race. Amen. We got to run our race. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Second service folks will be joining us in just a few moments. I see some second service folks here at first service, so it's going to be cool. We're going to see the house of God gather today for the baptism. We used to try to do it, um, you know, in different services, but then it just made it long and it was hard for the workers. So now we kind of just merge both services right around uh, 10, 15. They're going to be coming, and then we're all going to have a baptism together. Then you guys will leave, and then they'll stay for the word. Amen. Oh, it's, a good, it's going to be a good word. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and onward. i got to read the whole passage before I get to preaching, but this is such a good word for us today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. (laughs) I'm getting convicted for calling our mayor Beetlejuice. Lord, forgive me. (laughs) I tried to go. 
I tried to just go on reading the word, and the Lord convicted me. I just felt in my heart I have to apologize because I got to respect our leaders. Amen. Uh, didn't get much of an amen on that, but we got to respect our leaders. Amen. Lord, we pray, we pray for her to be saved. We pray for her right mind to come back, oh, Lord. Oh, God, take away all confusion from her, Lord, in Jesus' name. Even pastors get convicted, amen? Got convicted <laughs> reading the word. The Lord was like, you're not going on, son, right with me. If you want to do I felt like the Lord was saying, if you want to do this without me, you can. Uh, but uh, you're not doing the rest of this with me, uh, grieving my spirit, calling out somebody like that. Now, if y'all feel, you know, okay to do that, I was talking to Bevy one day, and I said, Bevy, uh, some of the stuff you say, I would have to repent over. And she says, well, I don't feel it yet. And I go, okay, that's between you and God then. But some of the stuff you were saying, I would have to repent if I said it. And it made her laugh too, because she was like, yeah, that is true. I'm kind of walking that line. But the Lord, I think for me over the years has kept me on a tight leash with my words. Amen. That's just for me. So that's up to you what you guys want to refer to our mayor as. But I know I have to uh, speak more respectful of her. All right. So for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Now, we know she's a sinner. We know a lot of sinners, don't we? The Bible calls them sinners. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's stay right there. If I have time, I'll get into four and onward. When we look at these first three verses, we, we hear that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Our Roman Catholic friends get happy and they go, great, now we can pray to them. No, that's not what you're supposed to do. Just because we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses does not mean we now start trying to talk to them, okay? You don't try to talk to them. The Bible says they are surrounding us. Now, there's two ways that you can understand this. Number one, their testimonies can be surrounding us, and that can be the cloud of witnesses, so that there is no way that they even are seeing what's going on right now. They're just so busy worshiping Jesus, and then at some point, they're going to see what's going on as, as uh, Jesus comes to judge. So so uh, we don't see them, obviously, and they don't see us, but the cloud of witnesses there means that their testimony in the Word of God is a cloud to us, is a witness. Now, I don't personally see it that way, but you can see it that way. The second way is that God allows them to see what's going on. That right now, Peter, Paul, James, the apostles, all those who have gone on before us, who have known and loved Jesus, they are able, as they're worshiping God, to see us in the world. That's more where I line up to. Now, once again, do either one of those uh, proposed understandings of this passage give us permission to start trying to talk to them? Like, hey... Paul, hey, what's going on? You're watching me down here. Paul, can you send me some help? Now, listen, I don't need to go to Paul if I already have Jesus. Paul, talk to Jesus for me. Jesus is like, I'm right here waiting for, you to uh, waiting for you to talk to me. Now, some Roman Catholics and those who like to pray to saints get slick, and they go, well, you know, if you, if you already have Jesus, then why do you need a prayer partner to begin with? The Bible says, hey, it's good to have a prayer partner, two or three, right? Go, go to them and pray, and then go together with Jesus. So if you could do that with a prayer partner, why not do it with, with them in heaven? So if all you ever needed was Jesus, then why ever go to a prayer partner? Do you get how they try to be slick? But the Bible says, if any two or three on what? 
On earth, on earth. Where do they have to be? On earth. And why do you need them on earth? Because you don't always know what Jesus is saying. You don't even know how to pray half the time, right? So you got to pray in tongues and get somebody to pray with you. So the idea isn't, well, I have a prayer partner on earth. That means I can have a prayer partner in heaven. No, because the prayer partner on earth is supposed to convict you of sin. Uh, They're supposed to help guide your life and be accountable with you. Like, for example, you could be going up to somebody saying, uh, you know, can you please uh, pray with me for this uh, person that I'm dating to get saved, and then they're going to look at you. If you get the right prayer partner, they're going to be like, no, I'm not praying for them to get saved. I'm praying for you to stop dating them. That's my, you know, but when you pray to, when you pray to Mother Mary up there, she's not going to say anything back to you. That's why you always see in the movies, the mafia, they pray to Mother Mary because Mother Mary always agrees with them, you know. Mother Mary, I'm about ready to pull off a heist, and everybody around me probably is going to get killed, and we're going to go to jail, but would you please protect me? You see, that's why Scarface could still be Catholic. Are you listening? Because there's no holiness in that. There's no righteousness in that. So the idea isn't, now we got a cloud of witnesses. Let's start praying to them. No, it's we have a cloud of witnesses. Let's do what they did. What did these folks do that we just read about, or, or, or if you've read the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, what did they do? They lived by faith. They were radical for Jesus. They were obedient to the things of God. They did not allow the temporary situations to dictate their identity and to hold them back from who they were. They were children of God, righteous and holy, being obedient to the plan of God. So so the author here of Hebrews, who I believe is Paul, he says, since we are surrounded by them, both in their word and I believe in them watching us like like people in the stands, let us, somebody say let us, Thank you. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Do you notice that the author here makes a difference, a differentiation between entanglements or hindrances and sins? Do you see it right there? From everything that hinders and sin. So what are two things that can entangle us? Hindrances and what? Sin. Now, before we get to sin, sins are obvious, and at least they should be. The Bible says in Galatians 5 that the deeds of the flesh are obvious. We'll get to those in just a moment. But what we need to understand is that we not only have to wrestle with sins, we need to wrestle with hindrances. Hindrances are not necessarily good or evil, but they become a hindrance to you and your walk with God, and you have to throw them off lest they entangle you. So what could be a hindrance for you today? Well, I'll give you one out of my personal life. When I first got saved, I don't know if anybody remembers this group, Cypress Hill. Does anybody remember Cypress Hill? One person, two people. All right, some of you back there. Come on. Cypress Hill was my jam. Those were my people, okay? And be real, be real. Listen to that name. That was a cool guy uh, for a sinner, I should say. He's going to hell now, but we need to pray for him. But be real had a cool name, and he was a cool guy for back then. And he wore a beanie, and he had hoops in his ears, you know, big fat earrings like a pirate, and wore, you know, they were from the the West Coast. They wore big, you know, uh, baggy flannels and big baggy cargo pants, kind of tucked into their uh, Timberlands. Does anybody know that style that I'm talking about? And a 
in a goatee. And these guys, these guys were, were awesome to me, okay? So I looked up to these guys. These are the ones I wanted to be like. You know, like how some of the young people want to be like Migos, wear tight pants and makeup or whatever what's going on now. You know, boys dressing like girls, you know, like, uh, like a, what, what's his name, son? Um, Fresh Prince's son. What is that guy's name? Jaden, you know, wearing a dress. You know how it's cool now for guys to wear dresses and purses and all that and high heels. NBA stars want to do this too. Okay, back then, we dressed like that. That's how we dressed, okay? That's how we dressed. We dressed like, like lumberjacks that couldn't fit into their clothes, that had pirate earrings, okay? That's how we dressed. And we did a lot of bad things. But listen, when I got saved, I was going to, uh, to the mall with my mom, and I just, you know, was looking down at the, you know, the, the review, not the review mirror, but the mirror you have in the car in the passenger seat, and I was just getting ready to get into the mall, and I was looking at myself, and I'm like, who am I trying to be? I looked at the beanie all like over my, you know, my, uh, my eyebrows, you know, I was pushing it down. I was checking out my goatee. I was making sure my silver fake hoops weren't um, turning my ears green. You know what I'm saying? That they hadn't put an infection on my ears yet. And the Lord said to me, he said, that's not you. I want you to take off that beanie. Take it off. So I never wore a beanie to my eyebrows anymore. He said, take off those earrings. That's not you. So I took them off, and I've never put on earrings again. I still have a goatee. I'm still rocking that. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but, but that was a hindrance for me. Why? Because the Lord was saying, that look. Somebody say, that look. See, that look for me was a hindrance. That was a mindset that I was under. That was an image that I wanted to portray to the world that I was with these guys. I was doing those kinds of things. And when you saw me walking with my beanie, and maybe I would walk with the cholo limp like this, you know, trying to be like those guys. When you would see me, you would go, oh, he's one of them. He's a pot smoker. I want to get hot. I'd be like, yeah, that's me. I want to get hot. That would be me. So I, it was like, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't go there without singing at least one little chorus, you know. So, so, you know, that you would see me and be like, oh, he's one of them. He's one of them. But God said, you're not one of them anymore. So that was a hindrance. See, I'll talk for Lauren. Lauren used to put on that lip liner. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> half kid, half kid. But the Lord had to say, put that lip liner away. She had hoops this big. She was hanging out. She was hanging out with all her gente. You know, um, for, just to tell, to tell it to you as it is, uh, just so, so you can know, a lot of us white people wanted to be like y'all people, if I could just say that. We wanted to be somewhere between the black and the Hispanic. We're going to get tan. We're trying to do lip liner to the girls, put it on our stuff, you know. Anyways, so God convicts us over just little stuff like that, but it's a hindrance. Here's another thing. When I first got saved, somebody say, when he got saved. Amen. This may not be for you, but this is for me. When I first got saved, I got bored because what do you do as a young adult that doesn't do drugs anymore and hanging out with partiers, man? I, I didn't know what else to do. You go to church, but I could only go to church like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and Thursday. What am I going to do all those other times? So I started going to Blockbuster. I became like all into movies. I was going there every week, every week, just picking this up. And that was back in the day when you couldn't binge like how you binge now. How many remember that place called Blockbuster? All right. And you would walk around, try to find your right movie. And then if they didn't have it, you 
you'd get all upset. You'd be like, what's wrong, you know? And, uh, and, some, and sometimes you would find something you weren't expecting. You'd be like, oh, this looks cool. And then you would get it home and it would be whack, you know? They still try that on Netflix. You know what I'm talking about? They put this real cool cover out there. And then you turn it on and it's like it was filmed in somebody's backyard. But, but you know, in Blockbuster days, you had to go all the way back if you didn't like that movie. So, so here's the deal. I remember showing up one day and this is what they said to me. This is what they said. They said, oh, you're here all the time. And the moment that the blockbuster clerk said that to me, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're done here. You're not going to be known as a person that watches movies anymore. I didn't watch a non-Christian movie for almost 10 years. You see, that was something that God had to speak to me. See, it's not just sin, it's hindrance. The moment I was there and they said, that's who you are. Nope, I got free from that. Now, the very first Christian or the non, first, very first non-Christian movie that I watched was Lord of the Rings. And then I began to watch movies after that. And I'm still trying to be careful with that. Same thing with secular music. I didn't watch secular music for almost 10 years. The Lord said, that's a hindrance for you. Also, caffeine. When I uh, went to McDonald's one day, just, you know, being saved, clean off drugs for a few days, and I just got my big gulp and I was drinking it, all of a sudden I felt that caffeine hit me. And I'm like, oh, man, caffeine's a real drug. <laughs> you know, because I was high all the time on different kinds of drugs. I couldn't really feel caffeine anymore, if you know what I'm talking about, or if you don't, then you can at least hear me and understand, right? But some of you know what I'm talking about. You know it by experience, right? But, but then I realized, like, oh, man, caffeine's a drug. It does something to my body. I feel this. I haven't drank in caffeine since then. I haven't drank in caffeine since 1996. So some of y'all, you want to make your hindrance my hindrance. Okay, well, for, okay, then my hindrances get to become your hindrance. You don't drink any more caffeine then. You ready? You get quiet when I preach like this. Some of y'all scared right now. What's the preacher going to say next? Am I going to have to throw away my coffee? But everybody say a hindrance. See, the Bible says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I haven't even got to sin yet, and some of you are already nervous. Because I'm telling you, God will point out to you what will hinder you in a race. We're going to get to the reason why, but we've already read it so I can remind you. It's so that we finish the race that's before us. Now, is it, is it wrong if you and I went on a jog today for me to put on weights? No, but I can't expect to run as fast as you if I have weights on. And listen, you have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit about what he is telling you to do. I had that kind of relationship, and I still do, and I hope many of you are getting that kind or going to start that kind of relationship today where God can tell you about your earrings. God can tell you about the movies that you're going to watch, the things that you're going to drink, that God is going to be honest with you and speak to you, and you're going to listen because if you don't get rid of those hindrances, you'll wonder why you're not running your race the way he wants you to. And you'll blame it on him. You'll say, man, something is wrong with Christianity, or maybe God isn't all, all that. You know, maybe he's somewhere out there, you know, way out there, but it's not meant to have a personal relationship because I tried that and it didn't work. No, a personal relationship is a relationship that grows and develops with the Lord where you become sensitive to his voice. And I've heard God many times, even just today. This wasn't even meant to be an illustration, but it became an illustration that when I started off the sermon today, I called our mayor Beetlejuice, and then while I'm reading the word, he convicts me. That's real for me. 
That's, that's the same voice that I heard to take out those hoop earrings. The same voice that the Lord told me. He said, you know, stop drinking caffeine. And I could be here all day on the kinds of things God has told me to do that have protected me and have kept me running the race. Whereas if you look at others, you might say, well, man, I want to do what they do. I want to, you know, dress like how they dress. I want to, you know, take off church like how they take off church. But the Lord is trying to tell you, if you do that, that's going to be destruction to you. You may face consequences that those people have not faced yet because you're running a different race than them. So you have to be sensitive to that which hinders you. And by the way, that's why I am never intimidated by you telling me what you have cast off. I didn't celebrate Christmas. I still don't celebrate Christmas right now technically, but I let my kids do it a little bit. But I haven't celebrated Christmas for over 20 years because I got so grieved by the Christmas holidays. Those are just people. Have you seen them before? They're called people. They're coming into church. Everybody keep focusing right here. I got it. It's like, people. I've never seen them before. People are going to be coming because remember, we're doing a baptism with both services. Amen. Let me just tell you this right here. You better be serious with your walk with God. I could just testify right now about people that I have seen turn away from God because they acted like they could get away with stuff. That's why I am not intimidated by your convictions. You could stand before me right now and say, God has convicted me to be a vegan, to never never celebrate a holiday, never vote, never drink caffeine. I'm a mixture of Jehovah Witness, a Mormon. I make my own clothes. God told me not to spend any money on clothes. You could be a mixture of a Mormon, a Jehovah Witness, and an Amish person. And I would say, amen, do you? But the problem would be if you looked at me then and said next, listen, pastor, I want you to join me by being a vegan. I want you to join me by not voting, celebrating birthdays or Christmas, whatever. I want you to join me by making your clothes. I say, look, that's not a hindrance for me. Amen. How many are glad you're not hindered by owning a car today like the Amish are? Come on, let's just be honest. The Amish say, if I own a car, this hinders me. How many are happy that you can wear deodorant and that doesn't hinder you? How many are glad, women, you could shave your armpits and it not be vanity to you? There's other type of women that just say, listen, man, that's all vanity. God put it there. I'm going to let it grow there. Okay? How many women are happy you could cut your hair and it not be vanity so you don't have to have it up in a bun? And then when you dance really hard, you shake it out because you get out of your bondage. Let it out, Jesus. I, I I saw Desi getting free up here. If she would have been Pentecostal, she would have pulled out her thing, and then she would have started letting it go. First headbangers were Pentecostals. Y'all better know that. Shaking all that hair. But listen, you you and I have different hindrances. Get real about it. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Say, sins are obvious. I shouldn't have to spend as much time on sins because they're obvious. These are not things where you can walk around and be like, well, that may be a sin for you, but it's not a sin for me. Adultery may be a sin for you, but it's not a sin for me. It's like, no, it's a sin for everybody. And I know there are some things that walk down that line where like, okay, where is that line between where it's a hindrance for some, not for all, but it's a sin for everybody. There are some things that get close to this, and that's why we need to use discernment. The Bible says in Hebrews that those who are no longer immature but are mature can discern good from evil. So growing up in your faith. But look at Hebrews chapter 5. Start around verse 19, please. Throw off these sins. The acts of the flesh are what? 
obvious. They are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Those three words cover every single thing you see on the Kardashians, reality TV, and on music videos today. That's everything. Sexual immorality is any sex outside of God-ordained sex, which is a, a sexual relationship between one man and woman in marriage. Uh, impurity are things that we can do in a sexual context that are impure even with ourselves. Sex with oneself is a sin. And the Bible then says debauchery can be like adding in a lot of people into that, into that mix with substances. And basically, it's like a party where immorality, impurity is there. And the Bible says all three of those things are obvious. So when you're looking in the context of sexual purity and how the, how the opposite sexes should act amongst each other and how sexes should act with, act with the same sex, we should avoid all three of those things. You cannot be a homosexual and be free from impurity. impurity uh, homosexuality is an, is an uncleanness. It is impure. It is sexually immoral. When you do it with others, it's debaucherous. Are you guys with me? You, you cannot, uh, you know, go on multiple Tinder dates and, and, and do all types of perverted things with, with people and be away from that. It's obvious when you do those things, that's what you're doing. Idolatry and witchcraft, that's worshiping other gods and or using substances to get close to God. Witchcraft, pharmakia in the Greek, to use substances like how like the Native Americans use peyote to get high and experience God. The Rastafarians and other religions who have tried to put into their uh, religion uh, changing the mind and doing things through substances. And by doing that, you're opening yourself up spiritually. When your mind is physically impacted, you're spiritually open to things you normally wouldn't be open to. That's why most of the people who get involved in drugs have a misunderstanding of who God is. And they are right on that edge of being possessed, if not already being possessed. I'm not saying every drug user is possessed, but most of the time when you talk to drug users, they don't understand who God is, and they're doing things that the devil wants them to do because the devil uses the, 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 um, the polluted mind to deceive. That's why we are supposed to be sober-minded. Now look at right here. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions, and envy is basically everything you see today in our culture. Culture and the Bible calls it a sin. Okay, just to hate people, not to, you know, we can hate the sin, but you're actually hating people, sowing discord, jealousy, fits of rage. How many know these are obvious? How many know if I scroll through Facebook, we could all point out when people are doing these things? Like, we know it. Drunkenness, though drinking in moderation is acceptable in the Bible, to get drunk is a sin. And then he throws in orgies just in case you don't understand how wild sinners can be. And he's like, obviously that is wrong. And then he says, the like. So does Paul list off every single sin that we can possibly think of here? No, he gives us the, 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 the parameters, the, the guidelines, and then we are supposed to understand how to fill in the blanks. Okay, so let, let's, let's go up here where it says factions, dissensions, envy, and drunkenness and all of that. Is splitting a church right or wrong? Wrong. Why? Because it's somewhere in between all of that. But does he have to say to split a church is wrong? Okay, now gossip. Is gossip listed in there? No, but how many know gossip is something like jealousy, it's discord? How many get all of that? Now, in other places of the Bible, it can mention other things, but normally when we look at Paul's sin list, he just speaks in generalities, okay? Now, yoga. 
Here we go to a gray line issue, yoga. Is yoga idolatry and witchcraft? Some might say yes, every single time it is. Here's where I draw the line. Stretching, doing this. Right, okay, let's try it right here. Let's try it right here. I'm going to try it one more time. I just can't even get my foot up there. There it is. That's as long as I can get it up there. Am I, I can't even ask the question. I want to ask the question, am I in sin by doing the stretch? But I can't even get it up there long enough. Am I in sin right now? No, so here, here's where, to me, yoga becomes sin when it becomes a form of, of saying the meditational words that's a part of their religion. But I could do this and go, logos, you know, that's the Bible in Greek right there. I could go, Jesus, you know, okay. But if I start to have to chant whatever the names of these false gods are or these little secret things, then that's sinful. So that's where I draw the line. But for you, just doing this is sinful right now, right? Like Joe just did yoga. He sinned in front of us. This is the equivalent of, of, of Joe doing something nasty. No, but for me, that's not nasty. That's just a stretch. So God owns the, owns the body. I can stretch. Does everybody get that? Because this stretch doesn't mean I'm doing anything bad here, okay? It's like some people see our triangle where it says, in him, and they're like, Illuminati! You go to an Illuminati church. You guys are the Illuminati. That's the all-seeing eye. Look at your dollar bill. That's the all-seeing eye. And then I'm like, does God own triangles or does the Illuminati own triangles? Who owns shapes? God owns shapes, okay? Even God owns, guess what? The pentagram. God owns that shape. So we can use it for whatever we want, okay? But if you are attaching something to that shape that has a meaning, then that by the meaning makes it evil, amen? Not just the shape. So the deeds of the flesh are obvious. Let's go back to our passage, please. Getting ready for baptism service. Second service, folks, coming in even now. We're going to have a full house. It's going to be great. Those who have come early, you'll hear the message again. Amen. Just laugh at all the funny parts, right? All those who came, half kid. The Bible says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Why did I take off my, my earrings? Because I wanted to impress a church a member? No, I took off my earrings because I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus. That was a hindrance. Why did I stop watching movies and doing those things? It wasn't because I necessarily had to. It's because I wanted to. I kept my eyes on Jesus. Why do we stop sinning? Why do we ask God to set us free? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Evil. Why do we ask God to do that? Because we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We want to finish our race. And right now, this culture wants us to forget that we're in a race. They want us to think that right now everything's okay, that you know what, we're going to fix it, let us handle it, Joe Biden's the right man for the job, you know, we're, we're, we're in control, we got you, we want to be your nanny, we want to babysit you, we want to lullaby you to sleep, don't worry about sexual perversions and the trannies reading, you know, in the libraries to your children, don't worry about any of this, just go to sleep spiritually and forget that you're in a race. This is deception. It's deceiving to believe that these things don't have consequences. 
Our political choices have consequences, friends. Our sexual ethics have consequences. How we look at racism has consequences. Well, we just we just support BLM, Black Lives Matter, because, you know, they're doing something about it. You know, you're not going to find a group that always agrees with you. Yeah, well, what, what are they doing? Well, they're also promoting, you know, transgenderism. They're also promoting pro-choice. But you know what? They're, they're good for race relations. Yeah, as they're burning down the cities, that's good for us. No, but they want us to just be lullabied to sleep and let other people do it for us. Let the Democratic Party take care of you. Let Black Lives Matter solve the race issue. Let Ellen teach us how to think about sexual ethics. Let your teachers, the teachers at school, teach your kids about where they came from and where their value comes from, from the goo through the zoo to you. There you are. And what happens when we do that? We get out the race and we stop running and these things start entangling us and then we suffer the consequences we're suffering the consequences right now of gender dysphoria and the lives that are being affected by that. And I thank God who now there are many people detransitioning from the gender they tried to be back to the gender God made them to be. And they're talking about how these things did not give them what they thought. I'm, I thank God for those who are stepping away from Black Lives Matter going, yes, I want to see justice. I want to see fairness. But I don't want to support socialism and homosexuality and abortion to do it. I thank God that people are waking up politically going, there has to be a better way. And what we need to understand in Christianity is that each one of us are called to do something about the problems in front of us. You and I are called to run our race, and running our race fixes the problems of the world that we live in. So what can you do on your race to fix the problems of the world around you? You have to go and pray and ask God. Say, God, what do you want me to do in my race? Take, for example, yesterday, the Hispanic, Latino-speaking Bible study students from this church, those disciples, went out to the community to give out free tamales and to pray and to preach in Espanol. How many can say, Gloria a Dios? Amen. See, they said we're going to be a part of the change in the Hispanic community. We're going to help them come to know and love Jesus. How many are with us when we go to the west side, to the black community? How many are with us are, uh, when we've gone to the homosexual community, Boys Town? How many are going out tonight possibly to the small, a little India? They're around, you know, Devon and all of that, all of those areas needing to be reached. You see, I can't help everybody, but I can help somebody. I may not be able to preach to everybody, but I can preach to somebody. I may not be able to impact everybody's life in my race, but I can impact somebody's life. They called me up. Uh, they only call me up when they know I'm going to be controversial. So the news called me up this week, and they're like, Joe, this is so-and-so from Chicago 5. Can I interview you? And I'm like, of course you can. You can interview me. So she gets on. We're doing the FaceTime. I don't know if anybody saw it. It was supposed to be at 10 o'clock news, I think Thursday night or something. And she's like, so have you heard what the mayor said? She's doing this, this, and that. Do you, are you going to change anything? And I'm like, nope. She's like, do you want to expand on that? And I'm like, we're going to keep having church. That's what we're going to do. Well, what about this, this, and that? And I'm like, I told you all this, this, and that. The second wave, the third wave, the fourth wave. It's called flu season. It happens every year. And we have to have a way of handling it. We don't go, whoa, the flu, and go run away. If we don't take a stand and allow a herd immunity to develop, we're going to be living in a bubble the rest of our lives. 
And so she goes, okay, I got it. And I just thought to myself, how many pastors did she pass up to get little old me on the phone? At, at the time when we were at our height of publicity, they would come in and they're like, can we come and see the facility? And I'm like, yes, you can. I would open the door and I'd be like, here it is. Stand them right there and be like, ta-da. Like as if I was going to walk them around and be like, this is our west wing. This is, this is the east wing over here. And this is our indoor fountain right here. Here's, here's a picture painted in the 1600s of Jesus being baptized. No, it was like, here it is. And literally, I just remember this one woman, she like put the camera right there. And she's like, can you walk around a little bit? I'm like, sure. And I walked around and I was just like, here I am in my church walking around. I don't know, like she wanted to like, like make it look like I was walking down like some long corridor or something. I was just like, here I am. This is where we meet. But it was so strange to them. It was so strange, like, wow, this is what you're doing. And I just think to myself, all of these mega churches, all of these mega buildings where literally they could space you out a quarter mile from each other. Hey, Bob, 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 how are you doing? Doing, doing fine, Mike, Mike, Mike. How are you? They could space you out, and yet they're still closed. Because they want to run their race online. I want to run my late race on the front line. Amen. I want to run my race on the front line. And that's cool because we still online too. If, if you have preconditions or there's some things going on that you don't feel comfortable about, we're going to keep it online. And we're going to make sure that you don't have to do anything more than you don't have to do. You could do whatever you want to do. But we wanted to run our race in this culture. Well, look at this. For the joy set before him. This is what Jesus did. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How many know he scorned the shame? When people try to say, shame on you, Jesus. Shame on all that you do. Shame on going out here and touching lepers. Shame on you, Jesus. You shouldn't touch a leper. You're supposed to leave them alone. Shame on you, Jesus, of validating the needs of women and helping out uh, those of different cultures and making the good Samaritan the good Samaritan of the story and the, and the oppressors making them look like the Oompa Loompas. Good. You know, shame on you. You know, what, what did he say back to that shame? He said, no, 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 no. Shame on you. I shame your shame. You know, just like how people say all the time, I'm offended. I'm offended. I'm offended at you guys having church. Well, guess what? We're offended. You're offended. We're offended that you're offended that we're having church. What did you think we were supposed to do? Just give the mark, just take the mark of the beast, just follow the Antichrist to wherever he's going to worship our sovereign governors like they're the sovereign kings and leaders, whatever. And once again, if you don't agree with our end time philosophy, at least you know we have one now. We've, already, we've always believed that governments and world leaders will form together against the things of God and take away our freedoms and oppress us. We've always believed that. So you could call us alarmist, conspiratist, or whatever. But remember the first fact checker was the devil. Are you listening to me? The devil said, you'll turn into gods if you eat this. And then Eve said, no, no. He said, but we'll die. And then what did the devil fact check on God? He said, no, that's a lie. You won't die. See, the devil is that first quote-unquote fact-checker that tries to get you deceived into believing what he believes. 
I'm going to run my race, amen? Fact check, Jesus raising from the dead, son. That's what I'm following. He rose from the dead. Fact check that, amen? Fact, fact check, he's coming back to judge the nations. Fact check that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Fact check the word of God that said these things would happen once we're in sin and they would be signs of judgment to us. But that doesn't mean we stop preaching because there's judgments. I scorn the shame. I scorn it. So, so this, this is my thing from the theologian from, the, from down south. Don't start no stuff, won't be no stuff. What theologian down south said that? Was that Master P? One of the, my brother right here, he knows it. T-Pain? Okay, maybe it was T-Pain. Okay. But here's my thing. If you don't shame us, then we're not going to rebuke you for shaming us. But I'm going to run my race. Endure the cross. I don't think this is even close to what's going to come our way. What are we going to do when world wars break out? What are we going to do when people want to start arresting Christians? Are we then going to give up on Jesus? The least thing you'll be worrying about is coronavirus. Okay, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's what Jesus did. Now watch us in closing. Vinny, would you come, please? We'll get ready for baptisms. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How many know if Jesus endured opposition from sinners, we're going to? That's why, listen to me, my friends, I don't mind how you walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. Some of you are going to keep a mask on until you're 85 years old and your grandchildren are going to be like, Grandma, why are you wearing a mask? You're going to be like, don't ask me. Don't talk about it. I was a young girl growing up in 2020 and Corona came and I put on this mask and I've never been able to take it off. But Grandma, Ejuela, I've never seen your face, and you'll never see it. I've told your mother to bury me in the mask. Ejuela, is that why there's so much toilet paper around your house? Oh, yes. Yes, that's why there's toilet paper everywhere. I will never live without toilet paper. I love you, Ejuela. I love you too, Nino, Nina, whatever. That's what it's going to be like for some of you. That's fine. That's fine. But I would rather die free than than live as a slave. For me, for me. That's my choice. Does everybody get that? I get to make that choice. I get to make that choice. You get to make your choice. Throw off whatever hinders you in following God. Amen? That's why if you bury me because I died of corona, I don't want you coming here being like, well, I guess he was wrong. No, be like, that's how he wanted to go. Joe wanted to live pedal to the metal. He caught corona and died. Now let's just get a new pastor and keep going. And the next pastor might be like, we're not doing what Joe did, you know. But listen, that's what I'm willing to lay down. I'm willing to lay down whatever it takes to serve Jesus in this last hours. And once again, if I didn't feel comfortable bringing my kids, I wouldn't bring my kids. But one of my sons had bronchitis, and we had to bring him to the hospital, and we were afraid that, you know, he was going to get quarantined, sent off, you know, to an island to never be seen again. And they're like, we don't even test them for corona because kids don't even have a real a problem with this. But if you need us to, we'll test it. And so it came back just being a normal bacteria. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's actually bacteria other than corona going on in the world, you know. But anyways, my wife was talking to the doctors and the nurses. They're beautiful people, right, beautiful people, and just asking them about corona. And she said, corona to children is almost inconsequential. It's to those who have conditions and these kinds of things. And, yes, there can be what they call the Kawasaki thing with the child and their lungs overreacting. Yes, it's real. We're not saying that it's fake. 
But we're living in a time where something a little bit worse than the flu is trying to shut down our entire nation where a couple police officers acting like jerks is causing entire cities to be burned down. I mean, come on. Are you woke that there's some conspiracy or some things behind the scenes going on? We're being told, you know, these things are just part of normal life now for us. We got to get understanding here, friend. We're, I'm not a racist. Are you a racist? Don't let anybody convince you you're a racist. Do you want to live healthy? Amen. Then live healthy. Do you want to live for Jesus and preach the gospel? Don't let anybody call you a hate monger. Don't let them shame you and make, it, make you stop living for Jesus. So in the midst of all of this, we're baptizing 17 people today. Amen. And our encouragement to them, our encouragement to them and friends and family, thank you for coming, is that they'll live for Jesus. And that some of the things they'll remember from 2020 was, hey, that's when I gave my life to Jesus. I went all in, and that's when I got baptized. Let's pray before we get started. Father, we thank you for bringing everyone here today. We ask you to teach us your ways. Help us to live for you. Help us to run our race without being ashamed. We pray for this nation to rise up and live for you before you come back and judge us. If you're here today, and you're not right with God. If God was to come back right now and judge us, you're not confident you would be accepted into heaven. Would you repent of your sins? Say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Make me a new creation. I want to be your son or daughter today. God will do it. Those that are here that are going to get baptized, once again, make sure that you're, you're all good with God. Don't hold anything back today. Make sure that you're willing to let Jesus, wash everything away. Just as the water is symbolic of being washed of your sin, you're going to be in your spirit today, cleansed and made new. And for the rest of us, let's keep living for Jesus. We're not here to be angry at those who may not believe the way we do. Maybe some things aren't hindering them. Maybe some people like working from home and wearing a mask and standing six feet apart for the rest of their life. Okay, we're not going to judge them on that, right? But we're going to pray for them to know Jesus. At least during this time, we can be witnesses to them. So pray right now. God will use us. Lord, use us wherever we go. God, give us one-liners in lines to speak to people because we're waiting in a lot of lines right now. We can look at somebody with a mask and go, do you feel safe? And if they go, yeah, I feel pretty safe. Do you think, you can ask them, do you think the mask will protect you from God's judgment? Oh, what do you mean? Well, God's going to judge us one day. We're all going to face him. Do you think the mask can protect you from death? Lord, give us one-liners. Give us ways to speak to people or to ask them, do you want peace? Do you want to know that God is with you? To not be afraid of death. All of these things give us conversations. They're telling us not to celebrate Thanksgiving, the time of thankfulness. That's between you and your families. But those who are going to see them, ask God to help you to pray for them, to talk to them about Jesus, to make a difference in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought it, I thought it would be good for us to hear a message like that as we're getting ready to do the baptisms. So those of you who want to stay from the first service, you're more than welcome to, but you can technically be dismissed after this. Uh, but we're going to start doing baptisms now, and second service folks are starting to come in. So those from first who want to stay feel comfortable. 
those who got to go, you can start to go. Those who are going to get baptized, would you get ready if you're not ready already? Get ready if you're not ready already. We have a bathroom over here. And then I'm going to get ready. And I'll see you in just a few moments. Band, would you guys come up, sing a few songs of worship? We're going to worship while we get ready to, to baptize. Amen. If you have any prayer needs, can we get a few altar workers up here? Maybe uh, some of the first service folks want to have somebody just pray with them before they go. Feel free to stay seated if you want. We're going to sing this song in closing that I learned in Bible college that's almost word for word the scripture that we learned today. So let's go ahead and do that. And thank you all for coming. We'll see you in just a few moments. with pain. 